This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down, end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. One hour more to go here on Unnecessary Roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920. Right now, Vinny Bonsignor, who normally does In the Huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. here on Radio Nation Radio 920, is in West Palm Beach, Florida. He's at the owners' meetings, been doing a lot of yeoman's work. He got the chance to talk to Dave Ziegler yesterday, and we're going to hear some of that audio a little bit later on the show. But, Vinny, as you guys all gathered and talked to Dave, it sounded like it was uh, not a one-on-one, but it sounded like it was you, Vic, Paul, Heidi, and... Maybe one other. It sounded like it was a really good, intimate little conversation. Uh, what did you learn about Dave Ziegler and kind of his approach to roster building? Yeah, and um, what was interesting, and I think we talked about this yesterday, was how he saw all those memes out there uh, when you know over the first couple of days of yeah. the agency where the Raiders weren't doing anything, and uh, you know his friends were sending him, "Hey, this is what this is what Raider Nation thinks right now," and. Yeah, he got a good laugh out of it. He's a good-natured kind of a guy. Uh, and he understood. You know, he was a little anxious, too. You know, he wanted deals to get done. Uh, but, you know, there's a way that you have to go about this, and, and it's, you know, being patient and being prudent and being disciplined. And ultimately, that, that paid off. Uh, what, I, what I am impressed with is um, there a number of things. But, but generally speaking, how they've kind of gone about really covering all their bases. When you look at now their wide receiver room, You've got everything that you need, uh, basically, to, to fit any kind of situation. Their running back room uh, is, is quite the same way, and there's some injuries uh, that they're dealing with as well. They didn't quite reveal exactly who uh, was rehabbing right now, but obviously know what, we know Kenyon Drake uh, had that injury mm-hmm. last year, so he's one of them. Not quite sure if Josh Jacobs is the other, but uh, I guess we'll get word uh, at some point. But how they covered their bases, across the board and how they do remain disciplined. And I think that's going to carry over into the draft. Even Josh McDaniel said, hey, we may pick three guys in the same position, you know, uh, with three straight picks because we'd rather do that and, you know, strengthen a, uh, a strength rather than just reaching for somebody that isn't uh, as good as that particular player just to fill a need, just to say, hey, he plays defensive tackle. We need a defensive tackle. So that's the direction that we're going to go in. And then you only, only to get the guy in your building and realize, man, we should have taken the other guy, even though there was a surplus of, of players at that position. So I wouldn't be uh, surprised in any way that these guys kind of handle things. And it might be a little bit of a surprise in how they do, but it's probably a welcome change from how things have been done here. I agree 100%. And one of the questions that I threw out there today for a show topic was, what are you excited about when it comes to this team? And a lot of people chimed in and said, well, we don't think that the Raiders are a laughing stock anymore. This front office has put them into a position where they have respect around the league. And I know after we talked to you yesterday or when we were talking to you yesterday, you had mentioned that there's teams around the league that are saying, hey, the Raiders got something pretty good cooking over there. They got a nice little front office. Uh, kind of expand on that. And, and, and what are these teams talking about when it comes to the silver and black? Well, first of all, a lot of respect for Josh McDaniels. I know there were issues in Denver. We've talked about him over and over again. Uh, the situation in Indianapolis where he pulled out, uh, you know, kind of at the last second. 
but generally speaking, when you're talking to NFL people about Josh McDaniels, the coach, Josh McDaniels, the offensive mind, there's nothing but respect uh, and high-level respect from people who don't give it up just for the sake of giving it up. Right. So I think that they feel like you know Josh brings um, you know a new, uh, a higher level of that, you know, whatever that might be. But also that he's learned from his mistakes. I think there's there's genuine uh, belief around the league that that he's grown up since Denver and has learned from those mistakes and is going to be better off for it. Uh, meanwhile, Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly, we always had to throw jo- uh, Champ Kelly uh, in there as well, are two highly respected um, executives that have come up and climbed that ladder and earned a lot of respect uh, and do it the right way and. Um, uh, and they feel like they're going to bring an edge to that uh, uh, part of the building as well. So uh, there's just a lot of, hey, the Raiders are doing about, and what they did, being able to pull off the trade for Devontae Adams, being able to pull off Chandler Jones, and also how they've kind of tinkered now uh, with the roster has really opened some eyes uh, around the league, and they expect the Raiders to continue on this right course with these, uh, uh, you know, this leadership group in place. Um, and the Raiders, you know, are, are, are headed in the right direction uh, in, uh, through the eyes of a lot of people in the NFL. Vinny, Dave Ziegler, he talked about not having a first-round pick, and he's used to it from their time in New England. In their past six drafts, three of them, they, they didn't use a first-round pick at all instead of not drafting a player until the second round. So with that experience, do you think he's content to just wait until that first draft pick comes till the third round and not do any moving and shaking? I think he'll be content if that's how it plays out. But I also think that um, they're more than open uh, to, to making that not be the, the case necessarily. Um, you know, in terms of trading up, I know yesterday, for whatever reason, people started throwing Darren Waller's name around <laughs> right. as a uh, – let's just, you know, uh, uh, put the brakes on that right away. I don't know how that, you know, kind of got started, but – um, they're open to anything. They're open to, to moving up if, if they feel like there's a player that they really want. They're open to staying uh, put. They're also open, I'm sure, to trading down and maybe picking up some extra picks to kind of make up for the loss of the first and second round pick. Here's what I really also found interesting, talking to Dave Ziegler, about how they're going to go about building their draft board and the draft process. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to start from the second round on or the third round on. Um, you know, They're going to build their draft uh, uh, board from number one to number whatever, you know, whatever that last player uh, fills in on. And the reason he said that was there's a lot of reasons that you do. But from his perspective, I thought this was really enlightened, was he wants to see this group. This is a new group. You know, this is a new staff together. Um, they're doing it for the first time, uh, this collection of, of talent evaluators. And so going through the exercise of what do you see in a player? How do you assess this player? What's your grade on this player? From top to bottom, it's something that they're going to, even if they don't have a first or second round pick, it's something that they're going to be able, just based on going through that exercise, to grow from and learn from each other. How do I look at players? How do we talk about players? Uh, what are you looking for when you're looking for your best tight end or your best running back? So it just seems like whatever the chance is to learn and to grow from, they're going to take advantage of it, even if they're not going to pick until the 86th pick uh, you know, uh, overall. They're going to uh, make sure to, to take this and learn from this 
as if they have all of their picks from first, you know, to the seventh. Talk right now with Vinny Bonsignor from uh, In the Huddle right here on Radio Nation Radio 920, also the Review Journal. He's out at West Palm Beach right now at the owners' meetings, just giving us a little bit of feedback, what he's hearing, what he's seeing, what he's talking about. And the offensive line has been a, a conversation you guys have been having, not only with Josh McDaniels, but Dave Ziegler. And to me, my understanding and my feelings I got from listening to both of them talk was that they were in on some free agents for the offensive line. They just didn't land them. And that happens sometimes. Uh, do you think that they kind of now are okay with the guys that are going into camp with, or that's the guys they're okay with right now, but they still definitely want to address that position? I think it's more right now, and I think they do want to uh, address it. And, you know, they were quick to point out there's still a lot of players out there, um, and there's going to be more uh, as teams start, you know, getting through their draft. Uh, and maybe uh, if, if other teams feel good about about who they were able to get, maybe a guy that they're hanging on to right now becomes expendable. There's also, um, you know, as, as, as Josh McDaniels pointed out, they, because a lot of guys were on one-year contracts last year, they've got a lot of roster openings. So they expect to continue building well beyond the draft. They're going to be really active uh, in, you know, undrafted free agency and players that come about, um, you know, because maybe their, their, their position gets squeezed off on their current team. So I think he's mentioned about 20, dra- 20 roster spots that they're still going to have to fill even after the draft. And mm. so that creates some excitement because who are those players going to be? Where are they going to come from? And it leaves you know room definitely uh, to make more moves. Uh, and so this roster is definitely still under construction. Uh, but uh, and, and how they fill it out, to me, is, is fascinating because it looks different than it has been in the past. Yeah, Vinny, you guys got to talk to Dave Ziegler, him and Josh McDaniels. This question kind of goes for both of them. When talking to these guys, can you sense that, hey, they're feeling good about the moves they made, that they know that now the Raiders are a legit contender in the AFC? I think they think that. I think they, they think they've improved the team, but I don't think that they're going to be, you know, goes out and says, hey, we're ready to go compete. And they understand the calendar and the timing, mm-hmm. and there's a long way to go. I think, I think Josh McDaniels, uh, put the best. He goes, at the end of the day, we're going to have our bucket. Every other team is going to have their bucket, and we're going to throw our buckets out there come September and find out, you know, who's, who's got the best team. Uh, but they're not there yet because they know that, like Q mentioned, I think that offensive line uh, is an area that they have to, uh, you know, get better at. I think linebacker depth, they, although they feel better about it now, I think that's still under construction. Maybe bringing in a veteran cornerback. I don't think they're going to just do that to do it. It has to be the right fit and the right player, but I think they're interested uh, in perhaps going down that road. So there's still moves to be made, but I think that they feel much better about where they are today than they were, where they are where they were to start last week, but it's still an ongoing process. A couple of pieces of news that came out of the owners' meetings that we know about officially are the overtime rules have changed as far as the playoffs goes. Want to know your thoughts on that, and what I think is actually more important for our advantage point and your advantage point for sure is the fact that the locker rooms will be open in 2022. What are your thoughts on those uh, those two pieces of news that came out today? Yeah, the locker room thing is, is, is really important. It's been something that we've really missed these last couple of years, and it's really how you build relationships, even being out here in Palm Beach, being able to really sit down for quality time with, you know, with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and other coaches as well and general managers, um, there's nothing to replace that one-on-one kind of personal relationship that you can create and connection that you can create. Um, so I, I, I think that's great. And I also think if you talk to most players, yes, sometimes it can be burdensome, but they want to be able to see the faces and meet the people that are behind the keyboards and writing and things like that. Listen, I've written stuff that has upset 
you know, a player uh, in the past. You know, m- more more than once. And the great thing is, when you're when you're there every day, you go in the locker room, you talk it out, and they can explain what they felt was wrong about it, and you can give your side to the story. And as long as it's all handled professionally, um, then you can squash it and move on. Um, and so that that gives you that. Otherwise, you know, they don't know who you are sometimes, and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. This is a great way to to build the relationships. As far as the o- overtime, I think I'm hoping that this is one step toward doing it for the regular season, but I can I can accept it for the playoffs because um, you know there's just too many times where you're left wanting a little not a little bit more but a little bit more fairness. I think everybody wanted Josh Allen to get another shot uh, last year against the Kansas City Chiefs in that epic battle. He deserved to go out there in that offense uh, of Buffalo to give it one more try, uh, and that's the fair thing to do in a game with so much so much at stake. Um, I, I do think that at some point maybe you do it for the regular season, but for now I'm cool with it. You know, as far as the playoffs, I'll tell you, Vinny. I don't know how many times in life I done gone back and wanted some more. You know, like hey man, you know, <laughs> I I think I deserve one more shot at it, man. Let me get one more crack at one it. One more, <laughs> one more, one more. Yeah, man. Sometimes you just gotta appreciate what you got. <laughs> and then maybe one more after that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's habit forming. I'm just saying. <laughs> We're talking right now with Vinny Bossignor. <laughs> he's at West, he's in West Palm, Florida. He's at the owners' meetings right now. And uh, as far as getting back to just like the Raiders and what they have going on is there a sense of of calm and patience when it comes to dave ziegler and the rest of this front office yeah there is um i don't think that they're going to be flying by uh their pants i think they've got a plan um you know dave ziegler talked about this yesterday when we asked him about you know were you anxious yeah of course i was anxious you want to make deals you want to make the team better but at the same time you know i've been trained a certain way and seen it work uh, a certain way over a long period of time. So, you know, in, like you said, like you can make deals happen. It's just how high do you want to go? Do you want to be the highest? Then you can make that deal happen like that. But you make mistakes by doing that. You make mistakes by deviating from the plan. Now, no doubt, you also have to pivot from time to time. Like you mentioned, there were some offensive linemen that they were in on and that they liked. For whatever reason, it didn't work. But, you know, you don't overpay in that situation. You pivot and move on um, and hope that everything is going to work out uh, you know, in the end, because there's still time to do that. So I don't sense that they're in any kind of panic mode or will ever be in any kind of panic mode. They've done it. They've seen it. They've been working for one of the great organizations uh, in the history of sports, really, uh, for a long time now. So I feel like they feel like there's a sound plan and a tried and true plan. And as long as they stick to that, good things are generally going to happen. All right, Vinny. Last, yesterday when we were talking, there was a big swall worry that was just about to get underway, and you were rushing to get off to that. So any stories, anything to report? Did you see anything wild and crazy last night that you can allegedly tell us? Maybe leave out some names. Uh, you know, there were, people were getting after it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a lot, of eat, lot to eat and a lot to drink. Um, so so that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. And you can, you can you know, draw conclusions that people were starting to let their guard down. I'll tell you who, who I enjoyed talking to um, was Stan Kroenke, uh, the Rams owner. And he's very, very, um, he's like a guy that he's got bodyguards and all that type of thing. And, and he never really talks to the press. But, you know, he was sitting over there by one of the bars. I went up there and started talking to him and congratulated him, obviously, on the Super Bowl championship. And he couldn't be more relaxed. I've never seen Stan Kroenke like that. So uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. But just seeing, like, all the coaches, all the general managers, all their family members, um, you know, enjoying. It's kind of like the big company picnic 
is what it turns out to be, except it's on the beach and there's, you know, great food and a band and, and all that guy, all that stuff. So it's, so it's definitely top notch. Uh, but you know, it's interesting to see some of your colleagues, uh, having, uh, one or two or three, uh, drinks and seeing how they, how they react. So I'm just going to leave that at that, like that though. Oh no! You said bodyguard. Is Stan Kroenke? Is he a wanted man? Like, or is this just normal for him? Security, yeah, man. Exactly. Security. Everybody's got security. Oh, uh, he, he, yeah, he's got. We used to joke because there was this, there was this one bodyguard that would always be with him, and he had a big duffel bag. And we used to always just joke that you know he's probably got like about five million dollars in that duffel bag just for the case, just just in case something comes up and you need five million dollars, he's got that money right there. But no, he's he's on a whole other uh-huh. level. He's like billionaire, billionaire. That needs the bodyguards. So, um, you know, uh, that's how he rolls. But last night, he was as chill as, as he could be. Saw, saw Mark Davis, obviously. Saw Jerry Jones. They, everyone was there. Bob Kraft. Uh, so it's, it's a great time just to kind of mingle and, and, and just be regular with, that, with, with them and, and them with us. Well, I'll say this. I saw a couple pictures of, uh, of some coaches early this morning. And, man, it looked like they had a hell of a time last night. I saw Kyle Shanahan's yeah. pictures, and he looked like he got after it. Uh, <laughs> Well, here's a funny story about Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I was I was uh, kind of mingling by the uh, the front entrance, and he forgot his pass, and he literally had to talk the, uh, the the security guard, you know, into letting him in. I almost had to walk over there, going, "Dude, this is the 49ers head coach. He's good to go." But eventually, after some after some convincing, Kyle was able to get in and get past. The, you know, security guards could be. Sometimes. I don't care who you are. I need uh, a credential. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's like, dude, I left it in my room. I don't want to go back to my room right now. Just let me in. So uh, he handled it well. But, you know, uh, it, it could happen to anybody. It's happened to all of us, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. No no doubt about that. Well, Vinny, we definitely appreciate you, my man. Good stuff. Uh, enjoy your, your time out there. Get as, get as much good stuff as possible. Bring it on back, and, uh, and we appreciate you. Are you going to be out there tomorrow or no? I will be here tomorrow, yes. Okay, so there you go. Well, set a, uh, set a spot in, there, in your phone for us, man. Set an alarm because we'll be calling you. All right, sounds good, man. You got, you know it. Thank All right, appreciate you. you. There he goes, Vinny Bonsignor. Great stuff right there. Wasn't sure if he was going to be out there tomorrow as well, but uh, now we know. So there we go. Is there another day of uh, proceedings going on tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. I okay. think, but I, I know a lot of people travel too on that day, so I didn't know if he was going to be, you know, traveling as well. But yeah, Kyle Shanahan looked like I know why he forgot his pass, his credential, man, because he had a hell of a night. He probably never went to sleep, man. I don't know if you saw <laughs> pictures of. Him. And look, I, hey, look, I've been that guy. I've been that guy a couple times. Still that guy. Hey, whatever you want to say, it's fine. <laughs> Talking about myself. <laughs> I'm all good with it. I'm all good with it. But, yeah, man, I, I'll tell you, uh, there's some times when you get out there, that happens a lot at the Super Bowl because during the Radio Row Week, normally it's on Tuesday. They have a media party on Tuesday, and everyone's out there. And then on Wednesday morning, everyone's walking around Radio Row slow, real quiet. Then it's me come walking in and be like, hey, man, what's up? And they're like, man, shut up. Like everyone's, you know, everyone's all trying to recover and everything. So it takes till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Finally, everyone's like, okay, we're starting to feel better. That's how it goes down. It's just how it is when you're at those kind of events. And so I can only imagine that, that how it was out on the beach. Man, I told one dude one time, and then we'll take a break. We were at this music convention, and we were—it was at some fancy hotel. I can't remember it was, but everything was paid for, drinks, everything. I mean, it was, it was similar, to like, but it wasn't that fancy. Anyway, this dude kept—he was drinking, and he kept walking around the pool, the indoor pool. He kept walking around the pool, and he's like, "Man, I don't know what it is, but something about it. I just want to jump in that pool, you know, with all my clothes on right now. I just want to jump in the pool." And everyone's like, "Why would you do that? You're gonna—why would you—why would you do that? Your clothes are gonna be all wet. Everyone's gonna think you're gonna make an ass out of yourself, you know, all this stuff." And I was like, "But think about it, dog." 
Nobody will ever forget you. You'll always be the dude who jumped in the pool. I think you should do it. And, man, I didn't have that word out of my mouth, and that dude just jumped. All he needed was one person to, <laughs> to say, yes, that's a good idea. And he jumped in that pool, and we were like, you big dumbass. Why would you do that? You know, it's like, hey, Q, how do I look? You look like the guy who jumped in the pool. <laughs> Congratulations. Anybody get it on camera? You're soaked. Great. Now go on to your room and change. Don't come back, you drunk. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, it was, it was so embarrassing for him, but it was hilarious. Cause I was like, Hey man, you'll never, they'll always remember who you are. You're the dude who jumped in the pool and he, man, that's all he had to hear. He was gone. 422 is the time. We'll come back. We'll hear from Dave Ziegler. Got a lot of good audio. Want you to hear it. We'll do it next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey Raider Nation. This is Bill Romanowski and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Late last night, I got a big audio file, and it was GM Dave Ziegler talking to the media. And you just heard from Vinny Bonsignor in the last segment. Literally, it was Vinny, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, Heidi Fang, who's on the Morning Tailgate and also Review Journal. I believe, who else was there? Adam Hill, Vic Tafer for sure was there. I don't think Adam Hill was there. But anyway, it, it literally sounded like it was about five media members max. And, and, right about and Dave Ziegler. I mean, it's not, that's what it sounded like, about five. And that's fantastic. That's the. I mean, that's when you really, it's one thing to be in a big old room and have to, you know, try to yell like they did with Josh McDaniels. Like that was a, a odd setting for the, the McDaniels presser. But I mean, it is what it is. But I could really appreciate the conversations that were had last night with GM Dave Ziegler. So I want you to hear a few of the sound bites and you heard Vinny describing them when we talked to him just in the last segment, but one was about just the patience he had to have and is having as a first time GM is guy that did not get off to a quick start, a hot start when free agency uh, hit a lot of folks thought that this guy sleep at the wheel. What's really going on? So here's Dave Ziegler talking about having patience as a first time GM. Yeah, I mean, you want to get deals done and you want to add players. So, um, you know, like I would be lying if I said, yeah, you don't get anxious of, of want, wanting to do that. But um, at the same time, again, trained a certain way, seen it done for a long time a certain way. I've seen the benefits of being patient. And so, yeah, there's a human nature of like, I want, you know, wanting to get something done. But I think at the same time, you rely on, on you, you know, like in those times you rely on how you've been trained and what you believe in and, you know, you kind of settle down and you get into your zone. That's uh, what Lester Hayes said, right? You got to rely on your training. You got to train your body and train your brain. But no, I mean, in, in all reality, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's you are a product of your environment. And he learned in the Patriots organization, he learned patience. Devon, you brought it up. I mean, the guy didn't have first-round picks, second-round picks for a while in some drafts, and it wasn't him calling the calling all the shots anyway. He wasn't the 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 guy pulling the trigger on these, but he was in the organization. And he understood what it looked like, and there's something to that. Now, again, as I mentioned, the first few days of free agency, uh, Raider Nation was flipping out. People were calling the station like, "What the hell is Dave Ziegler doing?" Josh McDaniels, send him back to New England, man. They're done. They're done. There was memes all over Twitter. I mean, it was bad, right? Yeah, because real quick to like put a further bow on that, like, hey, they didn't have draft picks. 2017, going into that offseason after they lose to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, they had four draft picks. They didn't pick until the third round. Right. Know what they did that next season, though? Won the Super Bowl. Well, there you go. There you go. Maybe they should start in the third round every time then, right? 
I wouldn't be mad at that. You know, somebody that's, that's very superstitious would be like, hell, that's a good sign. Starting the third round. That works out. And, hell, uh, even the Raiders in their past regime probably would have done better if they just started in the third round. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But going back to the first couple days of free agency when nothing was going on, that legal tampering period, how was Dave Ziegler feeling? Check this out. No, my my friends, my, my friends sent me sent me the memes of like you know the Dave Ziegler with the clown face on, and uh, you know they 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 keep me the guys I grew up with keep me in check with with with, with all that stuff. Um, a guy sleeping at the wheel of the car and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, um, all good stuff. Um, uh, nervous, no. Um, you know we've I think with free agency, uh, there's. Um, there's a level of, I think, patience and discipline that you have to have. Um, you know, you can you can get deals done um, as quick as you want to, depending on how high you want to go. You know, and I think there there's a there's a level of discipline that you have to have uh, about whether it's at a position or whether it's a, a specific player. Like how how much are you going to allocate? And and if you can if you keep going and going and going, you know, you can um, you can make that's how bad decisions can be made. And so. No, we weren't nervous. Um, I think we were strategic in what we did. Um, I think we had a plan to what we did, but at the same time, you have to be able to pivot, right? Because there are, you are in on certain players, and then you get to a certain point where, um, whether it's from a monetary standpoint, you you got to bail out, or that player decides to go somewhere else. You know, you have to be ready to pivot. Um, and I think that's the most important thing about free agency is. You have a plan, like we talked about at the beginning, but you also have to recognize that you're you're going to have to be fluid, and you're going to have to, you know, think on your toes to a degree and be flexible, and um, you know, change course, change your course of action if things don't pan out your way. So, no, we just kind of stay and steady. There's a lot of players available. There's still, I mean, look at the look at the market right now. There's still a lot of good players available um, in free agency. So I think. I think patience is just a big part of it, and, and again, being fluid and flexible. And I think, um, you know, always have things to learn and always have things to improve at, you know. And I think, um, but I thought we did a good job with that. There's GM Dave Ziegler right there talking about the team was not nervous in free agency when it first started, when they weren't making any moves. I love the fact that he pointed out uh, all the clown, the clown of memes and, and pictures that were on Twitter and falling asleep at the wheel and, and is able to get a good laugh at it. I mean, that was fun. Cool. I yeah, think. man, I wish that GMs could have a Twitter. Well, not that he couldn't. Well, if he was active, just to be like, I seen the memes. <laughs> or re- about like, just tweet, how y'all like that? Or retweet or retweet at him like, hey, man, you know, that's not my good side, man. At least you're going to give me give my, give my good side or something, you know. But uh, I just thought that that was cool that he was able to, to get a good laugh about it. But then in that explanation, when he's talking about free agency, you hear how calm he sounds? It's like calm and relaxed and, and as a matter of fact. And I think that that goes a long way. I know some people probably think like, oh, it's not a big deal. It goes a long way when you're calm, you're relaxed, and it, and it, and it feels like you have a certain purpose. So that was free agency. Now, of course, the draft comes. So they don't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick. They traded those for Devontae Adams. I don't think anyone in Raider Nation is going to be upset by that. But here's Dave Ziegler talking about the pros and cons of trading away draft capital. Without going into to, into too much detail, there's a lot of I just say that like the pros and cons, like understanding when you're going to, and this is for any trade, but understanding when you're going to acquire a player and you're going to give up draft picks, like what's the ramifications for that, right? Not just this coming year, but in future years too. Um, and so that was a huge part of the you know the consideration process. Um, at the end of the day, to add a player as talented as 
Devontae Adams is with like a long body of work, right? This isn't a player that's been good for two years. You know, this is a player that's been at the top of his game for a long time. And then when you learn about the player, um, you start to understand why he's been at the top of his game for a long time. Highly competitive, um, high level work ethic, um, just very dedicated to being great every day. Like practice, I mean, this guy, um, as the stories go, you know, this guy goes as hard as anybody on a day-to-day basis in practice. And so um, when you kind of, a great player, great person, great work ethic, you know, then you're starting to weigh the picks. I mean, there's a lot of different conversations that go into it, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, we felt like adding that high caliber of a player and person to our organization was, you know, was worth the cost. No doubt about it. Absolutely, I agree 100%. I think it's just a difference maker. Uh, it's a game changer, really, adding a guy like Devontae Adams to the mix and to that offense and you know, just making that team that much more dangerous. They go out there and they have a solid offensive line. Uh, that offense is going to be able to compete with anybody. I mean, seriously, what team in the league do you think, if you have Waller, you have Adams, you have Renfro, you have a healthy Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, and you have a solid offensive line with Derek Carr pulling the trigger, what offense is more lethal than the Raiders? None, or at least they're at least in top five. That's that's what I'm saying. They're all competitive with each other, right? Exactly. And one of the things I never answered the question about what I'm most excited for for the Raiders, the play calling. Right. That's one that of the part. things I really want to see. What's McDaniel's spin going to be on this? Right. How is he going to make this offense be a Because, I, hey, we all say Tom Brady, they were right-hand. He was the right-hand mm-hmm. man. He was the reason that offense was so good. Well, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with this Raiders offense. Right. I just think that the red zone is going to be so much better. I just think the play calling in the red zone is going to be that much better and it's going to make this team put up a lot more points. Uh, like Fabian always says, like Fargo Raider always says, many people say on the morning tailgate all the time, seven, not four, or not three, you know, not minus fours. Don't give us minus fours. That's what uh, they're always pointing out. They're always putting out the memes of the count, minus four. I mean, all the time. Hondo, I know he's part of that conversation as well. That's uh, absolute facts right there. You've got to be able to get seven instead of three. Uh, now, with Devontae Adams comes no first-round pick or no second-round pick. I like the trade. I like the trade for the fact that it's over after this draft is over. I, I love the fact that it's no well in 2023. They don't have a draft. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just glad that it's done as soon as this draft is over. So here's Dave Ziegler talking about having no first or second-round picks. Yeah, on the, on the surface right now, I think our – in the third round and again we'll see like that's where we end up or you know or, or, or we don't but um actually I've had some experiences when I was in New England where we didn't have a first round pick I think there there's a couple years there um where we didn't there might have even been one year uh it might be there might even have been one year where we didn't have a first or a second I can't remember but um uh, so so I've experienced it so the fact that I've experienced it won't make it as strange as maybe as I is if I had never experienced it and so um yeah, we'll just kind of let it, you know, if that's where we end up and we're not picking to the third round, then there's all there's um, a little bit more time to continue to prepare, um, continue to kind of get organized. You'll see where things fall. You'll have a very clear picture of what's available and what's not. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we'll have a, a plan to execute at that point if that's the way it goes. Dave Ziegler right there talking about having no first round or second round pick. And I love the fact that he says if that's how it goes or if that's, in fact, where we do pick. Like He's leaving that crack open in the door where, yeah, there's a chance we might trade up. I don't think that there's any chance they trade up into the first round. I just don't. That's just my gut feeling. But I do think there's a good chance they trade into the second round. I don't know know who they go get. But as they put their board together and as somebody falls, they might say, hey, that's worth us moving up to the second round to go get. I think that's possible. Moving up to the first round, I think that would take – a lot of work. 
a lot of draft capital. I don't think you want to do that. And it might even take a a, a player. I think that that's all they would have to offer. Well, you could always be a player. You could always give up like twenty twenty three draft capital if you want to. You know, keep on. Don't even do that. Right? Yeah, I I agree. Too expensive. It'd be too costly for what? Well, I mean, it depends on if it's a difference maker. Now, I'd say this because I'm silly and I would do it anyway. I know you would. You know what I mean? Like, I might give up my first and second round pick next year to go up and to, you know, go, have an opportunity to go draft a guy like Sauce Gardner. Just I knew you were going to say it. That's because DBs win games. But he's going to be like at least He'll be like top, top 10. 10. Yeah, top he'll be top 10. 10. Right, exactly. So you'd have to give up more than just your first and second round pick. Exactly. Second, yeah. Because Raiders were looking at you as Super Bowl contender. How do we want number 30 in next year's draft? Well, hey, you know, that's right. And, and and that's what it could be. But that's what I would try. I mean, that's one of my, you know, dream scenarios that, hell, go for it. Go for it now. That win now mentality. And, and I'm glad we said that because he was asked about that win now mentality. You know, how much of making that trade for Devontae Adams goes into trying to win right now? To be honest with you, I don't really ever – I didn't ever think of a, the, the window. I right. just – I didn't think of it that way. Um, I guess because – I, when you're in this role, right, you're always kind of looking, you're looking short term, but there's always this long term perspective on everything and team building and things like that. And so to just be on the job since, I don't know, whatever that was, February 1st, I haven't thought about this as like, okay, I have this small window. I'm more of, I have this mindset of I'm just getting started. And it was an opportunity again really it was an opportunity to add a great player it was less about the window and, and more about just the player and the skill set and um adding that type of talent to our team there you go there he is talking about the win now window and we all have talked about it and i feel like that that move to go and get a Devonte adams is letting everyone know that they feel like that they're they're in that win now mode but he's also talking about yeah there's short term but there's also long term you know so uh it, it's I guess you could take it for whatever it's worth. Uh, I, I I believe that it has, you know, a lot to do with the try to win this thing now, or at least in the next year or two, you know, because Devontae Adams is going to be, in my opinion, at the top of his game for what, at least two, three years? At least, but also barring any kind of major injury, obviously not. If he stays healthy, right. I'd say I would say another three, four, maybe even five. I mean, it's very easy. It very well could be. And, and it's so funny. Everyone's like, oh, well, look at his age. Look at his age. Look at all the ages of the wide receivers that you consider some of the top wide receivers in the league. Look at Tyreek Hill. Look at DeAndre Hopkins. Look at, I mean, Devontae Adams. I mean, look at all these guys. Look at those ages. I mean, they're not that far off. They're not that far off, and they're all considered at the top of their game. So I'll take Devontae Adams any day of the week and twice on Sunday. And so the final soundbite that I want you to hear has to do with the draft, going back to what Vinny was talking about when we had him on, talking about putting together a draft board. So uh, Dave Ziegler and company, it sounds like they're going to do things just a little bit differently than maybe some of the other teams across the league. So here's Dave Ziegler talking about putting together a draft board. Yeah, when you build it, you kind of, well, you obviously you build it by position, right? And then there's an element of, of, um, stacking the board vertically. There's an element of stacking it horizon- horizontally too. And so, um, yeah, within that, you kind of have an idea of like, well, at least what our perspective is. Like, hey, these guys are first round, second round, th- you know, kind of all the different rounds. But that's our perspective and how we value them, which may be different right. than how the other teams value them. So there, there's an element there. I mean, I think, you know, it'd be like, I mean, there's all these mock drafts and things like that. People know, like, who some of the top players in the draft are, right? Um, we'll study them all because I think it's important to know the whole board. Um, to know what's at the bottom, you have to know what's at the top, right? And then there's just the professional development aspect also of like, 
especially, um, I'd say even more important now when, when you're a new scouting staff, to work through all those players, to have those types of discussions, to, to learn how um, different scouts see players, how I see players, and things like that. So there's, there's definitely a professional development aspect um, with going through the draft process that's really important too. So there you go. There's Dave Ziegler talking about putting together a draft board and the way that they do it. And it's funny. He said, you know, it's not, it might not be the way everyone does it, but this is the way we do it. And I think that that's smart. You know, put together by position, uh, label your number one guys through your number whatever guys, and, and just kind of go through your draft board and say, okay, uh, this guy's off the board. This guy's off the board. Who's our next up in, in the corner position? Okay, who's the next up in the offensive tackle position? Uh, I respect that in a major way. And just going back to the wide receivers and their age real quick, uh, March 1st, Tyreek Hill turned 28. Okay, so he's 28. On June 6th, DeAndre Hopkins is turning 30. Devontae Adams, December 24th, Christmas Eve, he'll turn 30. So, I mean, you got three of the best wide receivers in the league, and they're not that far off. They're not that far off in age. And I don't think anyone in Raider Nation would not take any one of those wide receivers. Cooper Cup's going to be 29 coming into this next season. There you go. There you go. There you go. Hey, he, he was so surprised by the age, his voice cracked. That's what happens. Yeah, Cooper Cup, 29 years old. All these guys, they're all about the same age. So whenever someone tells you, oh, oh, yeah, the Raiders just traded for an old wide receiver. Not really. Not really. These guys are all around the same age. Give or take a year or two. It's all good. Not a big deal. These guys work their tails off, man. 443 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. We've been having a fast and furious show. It's been a whole lot of fun. We've talked to many different guests. Brandon Cristal from KOA. Uh, he's out at the owners' meetings. Then we doubled down, had John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, Jeff Perlman from SI.com. If you haven't read his piece, you definitely need to go check it out on Twitter at Jeff Perlman. And then we had Vinny Bonsignor to kick off the third hour of the show. And uh, he'll be flying back out of uh out of West Palm tomorrow, so we'll try to get him on the show before he loads up on his airplane, but or not his airplane, but on the airplane and uh, heads back to Las Vegas. But we'll try to get with Vinny and uh, get the final day's thoughts from uh, from the owners' meetings there in Florida. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of great calls we've had on the show today, and a lot of great text messages and still have time to hit a couple text messages and a couple of your calls if you want to hit us up at 702-365-9200. Uh, this text says, if Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback from Clemson, if he slips for some reason, I'd be very much in favor of trading our 2023 first and second to go up and get him. He's the best tackling cornerback in the draft and maybe the best all-around cornerback. And I've... I've heard good things about Andrew Booth. I'm not going to lie and pretend and think that and say that, you know, oh, I, I saw everything that he did. I didn't. I'm not going to uh, lie about that. I remember Daniel Jeremiah had him mocked to the Raiders the very beginning of, of draft season. He had put him there, and then he started to drop. He started to drop a little bit, and, and, and folks were saying that, you know, he, his season that he had really wasn't the greatest season, and then I even was on that conference call the other day when Mel Kuyper Jr. was talking about Mel Kuyper Jr. I don't know why people get mad when I do that, but they do. I don't know. They do. DeMond's laughing, but people get upset when I do that. I, I just I can't help myself. Well, it was out of nowhere right there. Well, I know, but I do it all the time whenever I say his name, so I'm not going to say it again because people get, you know, they start feeling some kind of way. But it's all good. Uh, the funny thing about it is 
he was talking about uh, different corners, and he was talking about you know guys at, at 21. Like if there's corners that would be solid at 21. And the only reason I bring up this soundbite is because the Raiders would have picked at 22 if they hadn't traded away their pick for Devontae Adams. And so I think that at 22, 22, if they had stayed there, a corner could have been in play. A guy like Jordan Davis could have been in play if he was still on the board. I don't think he will be. Offensive lineman could have been in play. But here's Mel Kuyper talking about uh, a, a corner at number 21 if there's a starter that would have been there. At corner, I think you know. You look at at twenty one. I don't think so. I, I think you're really you know, you're looking at Trent McDuffie as the third corner taken. I don't think he'll be there. Um, and then you look at all the other guys are just a little iffy. I mean, you know, if Woolen had more experience, that was more consistent with his length and his talent for a receiver, you'd say Woolen, but that's too high. Andrew Booth Jr. Had he played like I thought he could and would, he had some he had some some struggling moments. Um, he's not a guy I would take that high. I guess say McCrary, you know, he doesn't have the length. He's not he's more of a slot guy, but he hadn't played that. So no, you know, to me is just too inconsistent with with uh, and a little too handsy. So I would say no corner at twenty one. If if Stingley and we know Stingley and we know Gardner are going to be gone, and we think McDuffie will be gone. Now if they want to move up and get one of those three, I'm, I'd be all for it. In fact, I, I thought, I believe I said this on numerous radio shows at different times, if Stingley, like some people think, and I'm not one of them, I'm a big Stingley Jr. fan, I'm going to stick with the kid, I think he's. An, I thought after 2019 he'd be the number one player on my board, but he didn't do anything the last two years because of COVID and the injury, well, uh, the COVID season and the injury. Um, if Stingley Jr. drops to where some people are projecting him in that 16-20 range or 16-18, whatever range, about in the middle of the first, and I'm New England at 21, I'm going to move up and get him. So if he gets to a point like that, I'm not going to let Stingley go somewhere else. If I'm New England, I would go up and grab him because uh, you know there's no way he should be the 16th pick in this draft. So there you go right there. Just kind of trying to put it in perspective, and I don't know how, how high you'd want to trade up to try to go get an Andrew Booth, but it uh, sounded like he was a little inconsistent from what most people would like. Now, again, it's just what uh, a guy on TV is saying. Doesn't mean that he's necessarily 100% correct. I mean, guys get it wrong. All, the draft is not a, a science. The draft is more of a crapshoot. But just kind of putting it in perspective right there what uh, what Mel Kuyper Jr. had to say about Andrew Booth. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Mac. What's on your mind, Mac? Hey, Q. How you doing, man? You guys do a good job every day, man. I'm so happy to have a radio uh, radio, uh, radio station that I can, you know, listen to all the, uh, the nation talking. But most of all, I, I just, you guys, man, you guys do a great job. And I'm not just tooting your horn. I'm just telling you, man. I listen to a lot of. I listen to a lot of other stations. Hey, I got a couple questions. One, all right. man, that story you brought, man. That I had a. I had a, one of my good friends was killed by a, a drunk driver, so I know the the emotion. But it's both sides, you know. You know Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. all the people that were involved in it, man. It, 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 it was. I, I'm glad you stopped it because I was about to cry myself, man. Right. It was. It, it was touching. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate and it. It was. That was a. That, that's a. That's a great story, man. I, I, it just hate to have to have that, but you know things happen in life that we have no control of uh, when it happens. Um, now, I, I I I wanted to say this: the media. Do you see what they, I mean, even all the stuff we done did, they still got us ranked 10th. I mean, we get no respect <laughs> across the across the, the ESPN. And they wonder why Raider fans 
get upset, Q, is because of this kind of stuff. They got the Chargers in front. They got the Broncos in front of them. Mm-hmm. They got all these teams in front. And I know it's just you can't be paper champions. That's why I say a lot of teams are paper champions at the beginning of the season. Yep. But my thing, that's a disrespect to Raider Nation. And we'll never get the respect. Even if we won a playoff game, the Chargers have never even won a Super Bowl. And they still had him ranked in front of us. Do you know why? Is yeah. it because of cars? No, no. Well, a little bit of it, but thank you for the call. That's good stuff. I'll say this. I mean, everyone nationally is in love with Justin Herbert. Everybody's in love with Justin Herbert. He is the end-all, be-all. You know, he's in L.A. And look, every year the Chargers get a lot of love, right? Every year the Chargers get hyped up and then something happens. And look, on paper, they look fantastic. They do. They look like a hell of a team on paper. But you don't win anything on paper. I think the Raiders are right there with them. I don't think that they – I don't think there's any team in the AFC West that looks – head and shoulders better than the other team. I just don't. I think everyone's on an even playing field. I'll even say I think Denver is a little bit lower than the other three. I know they have Russell Wilson, but I would say I I would have more questions about Denver. But if you remember last year, remember how much love Denver got last year and none of us understood why? Remember when the season, before the season ever got started, when they were doing predictions on who's going to win? And they're like, oh, the Raiders are going to be in last and Denver is going to be competing for second. I was like, where is that coming from? Drew Locke was going to lead them? Vic Fangio was going to lead them? Who was going to be your guy? I never understood that. For some reason, that happens. And I'll say this, Raider Mac, as we close out the show today. I've been doing a lot of ESPN national radio. So you know what's going to change that narrative? It's cats like Jason Fitz. Cats like me. Cats like other guys that you aren't kind of blinded by that East Coast thing. And there's a lot of East Coast bias that I've been learning about since I've been doing some national radio for ESPN. So let some of us cats get in there and get a little bit more involved and let our arms flex a little bit. You'll see the love. I promise you. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Rare Nation Radio 920.